tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and this is the Sober Powered Podcast. I'll tell you how I finally stopped chasing the buzz and what I've learned along the way. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and usually I talk about the science and psychology of addiction, but today I have a very special episode for you guys. So it's my first guest, and the guest is also my husband. We had such a wonderful conversation about my drinking from his experience, specifically my last night of drinking, 
If he's ever worried about his own drinking, what he thinks the difference is between a problem drinker and a normal drinker, um, how he feels socializing now that I'm sober, and how his own drinking has impacted his mental and physical health. So there's a lot more to it, but I won't spoil the rest. This is such an important episode, I think, for everybody who drinks, whether or not you know a problem drinker or you are one. So please make sure to share this episode if you enjoyed it. So let's get to the interview. Hey, honey. So welcome to the podcast. You have heard a lot about it, but you've never seen the recording in action. So welcome. I'm happy that you're my first guest. Well, um, I'm happy to be here. Everyone is super excited for this episode, so no pressure, um, but I think it's really going to help a lot of people. All right, let's do it. So I want to start right at the end. So my last night of drinking, it was pretty horrible, and um, if you're a listener of this podcast, you know all of the horrible details. So what was that night like in your experience? Um, Thinking back to that night, it was actually extremely scary. It was hard to see you in such pain and agony and knowing that there was really nothing I can do about it. It was heartbreaking to see. It was something that I I knew in that moment that I never wanted to see you feeling that way ever again. There were times before that night where you felt similar ways and we had similar experiences, but the intensity of this one was just past a threshold of of what I can I can bear to witness. And when I told you that I was never going to drink again, did you actually believe me? Or were you like, yeah, but, you know, tomorrow night you're going to be negotiating? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say that I, I did or did not believe you. I knew for sure you were not going to be drinking for a while. I wasn't certain if it would be forever or if it would just be for a week or for a month or something like that. But for sure, I knew that there was going to be a break, a much-needed one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what was the beginning like? Like the first week, um, I was pretty miserable, and I thought that I was a loser. And then it was right during the holiday season, so I had a lot of parties at Magenta where I was working. And what was that like for you trying to support me? I think it was... A very introspective time for me because watching you take such a, a big step in changing your lifestyle kind of made me question my lifestyle as well because even though I may have not been classified as a problem drinker or someone that is filled with negative emotions after a night of drinking, I think that my life was in a place where less drinking would be beneficial. So watching you kind of clean up your mind and, and your, your life in all aspects, it made me think a lot about my own. So something that a lot of people ask me all the time about you is, did you think that I had a drinking problem and did you ever tell me that you thought I had a drinking problem? And you've told me before like the difference between your drinking and my drinking and why mine is so bad is because all the stuff that happens afterwards with the shame and hating myself 
But did you ever feel on those really bad nights that maybe I did have a problem or were you always hopeful that I would figure it out? Yeah, so I think that up until the very end of the drinking, which was a span of five or six years, I mostly did not think you had a problem. And the reason for that is most of my life, I had been surrounded by people that were drinking all the time. I grew up in a house where my family was drinking all the time. And then I went to college where everybody was partying and drinking all the time. I had a roommate who was getting drunk like almost every night and making a fool of himself and all that. So for me, the drinking had a level of normalcy that made me not really question your drinking very much. When you had those nights where you had a tough time and you had all those negative emotions and all that shame and everything, most of the time I just thought you made a mistake and you learned from it and you're not going to do it again or you're going to reflect on it and in the future you won't feel that way again. It didn't start to dawn on me that you had a real problem until the pattern repeated itself a number of times. Yeah, like for me, after I went back to drinking after my 90 days, and then eventually I went back to exactly the same spot that I was in before I stopped drinking, that was like really telling for me, and that showed me like what my life could be like if I wanted to continue on that path. So was that um, like those last few months, did you start to worry then like this is going to be a very repetitive thing for us? Yeah, towards the end, I definitely started to realize that this was becoming a problem that is, is not going to be fixable by just drinking less often or trying to be more aware of how much we're drinking. It was just something that was, it was just there was always a disaster just like waiting in the wings, waiting for the right night, and then it was going to come out and it was going to be a total monster of an evening. Um, even if we had a lot of good evenings in a row where we were able to just have a handful of drinks and nothing bad happened, it started to get to a point where even if we had a great day, I knew that there was a chance it can turn into a really, really rough night. And... Uh, I definitely started to worry that it was unsustainable. Have you ever worried about your own drinking, that you were more like me? Not really. Um, my relationship with alcohol, I think, is a lot different, and it doesn't mean that I was drinking less than you. I, even if I was drinking the same amount, I never really experienced those wake up in the middle of the night and feel bad about what I did um, the only thing I felt bad about is if I messed up the next morning by feeling like crap, even though I had something important to do. But even then, it was always more of like a physical feeling. It wasn't so much of a mental feeling. I was just upset that I felt like crap. I guess nobody ever complained about the amount that I was drinking or, or gave any indication that it was too much. If anything, a lot of the people that I spent time around throughout my previous experiences in life were drinking more than me and I was just trying to keep up a lot of the time <laughs> so I never really thought of it as as much of an issue did you ever feel like any resentment towards me or like annoyance that I frequently seem to like have a disaster at the end of the night or a problem or 
even like at parties we would we would fight a lot at the end of parties like in private but were you ever just annoyed that that was your experience it's okay if you were (laughs) (laughs) um yeah for sure it was a little bit of uh an annoyance when uh Certain times where I would be getting drunk and you would be getting drunk and uh, and we could be having a good time and then the mood can just turn 180 degrees in one second. Uh, that was extremely frustrating. Um, when we were drinking, what would usually happen is I would get maybe a little bit less of a filter on expressing my thoughts in a in a way that would land delicately and at the same time your sensitivity level would increase by tenfold <laughs> so uh, i got, i got i would frequently get really really frustrated when i would say something that would normally maybe you would you would just you wouldn't enjoy what i said but you would just kind of shake it off and move on like nothing ever happened but when we were drinking it would become an all night fight instead and that was extremely frustrating because then it felt like I just had to not be myself because it would trigger a fight eventually. It was just a matter of time. Thank you for your honesty. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you feel now? Like socializing has definitely changed for us now that I don't drink and I don't want to stay as long because once people start getting drunk, like it's, it's not really fun. It's kind of weird. So how do you feel about that change? Because it's completely different from the way we socialized before. You know, obviously this year with the whole COVID quarantining, we haven't had a massive amount of opportunity to explore what it's going to be like to socialize in environments where everyone's drinking a lot and you're not drinking and you maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable and and so on. So I guess I can't really speak to what that's like, but what I can speak to is what it's like socializing with each other at home. And I think one of the main things that have changed there is that when we have conversations, we actually talk about stuff, stuff that you remember the next day, stuff that has thought behind it not just making, you know, mindless conversation that you're never going to remember the next day. It's always, it's always a, a conversation that has some impact or expressing something that we've been thinking about all day. In that regard, um, I'm not really a big talker to begin with. So when I do talk, I really do enjoy that it's, uh, it's not small talk. It's actually about stuff that matters. And the proportion of quality conversation that we have now versus uh, so-called junk conversation is is much higher, which I really like. When I stopped drinking, one of my biggest fears was that we wouldn't connect anymore because we connected so much over drinking. And like you said, you're not, um, you're not like a huge talker. And whenever we would like go to the bar or something, you would instantly just be like, really happy and chatty and like having fun and I was afraid that like me not drinking would shut all of those vibes down and we would just be bored and and like awkward around each other did you have the same worry or you thought it would be fine I was never worried about it 
Um, I, I think that there were times when what you described did happen, where we had maybe a few moments where it felt a little bit awkward, where normally we'd be having a cheers and, and looking forward to getting our buzz on and getting a little silly. And instead, we'd be sitting there realizing that that's not going to happen and and we don't know exactly what we're going to replace it with. So maybe there were a few moments where it felt a bit awkward. But I think once we got over that hump and we just stopped thinking about the fact that we're not going to be getting drunk together and started thinking about other stuff, it wasn't a problem at all. I think that we were able to have just as much fun. By the time the night was over, we had talked about just as much, if not more, stuff than we would have if we were drinking. And um, I think it's going just fine. That makes me happy. And I do agree with you about our conversations and and just how much nicer everything is we don't we don't like clash or fight or hurt each other's feelings anymore and if there is like some kind of situation that comes up we always just talk about it it's not some huge blowout that lasts all night and then it lasts into the next morning like that was very exhausting and I think that it took a toll on our marriage to have that kind of communication. Yeah, it's definitely much better now that we can talk about things that are difficult and know that it's the conversation is going to take place in in a, a rational, reasonable state of mind. Like sometimes I feel like when you're drinking, it makes you more likely to bring up sensitive topics. But at the same time, you're significantly less equipped to deal with those sensitive topics in a reasonable way. But now I feel like if we have something to talk about, we can just do it. I don't have to worry so much that you're going to overreact or I'm going to get pissed off or anything like that. We can just have such a level-headed conversation. And we've had many of those over the last year or so because... You know, we've gone through a lot of things just like all married couples have. And being able to talk about it without me being impatient, without you being really sensitive and um, really listening to each other when we talk instead of just, you know, doing that thing that a lot of people do when they are having inebriated conversations where it's just they're waiting for the noise to stop so so that it's their turn to talk. Uh, We don't do that anymore, which makes the conversations, I think deeper and more valuable. Are you nervous for big events? Like we have a wedding coming up that we're going to, or we we really like to cruise and that's been, you know, all about drinking 24 seven. Are you nervous for how we're going to navigate bigger things like that with my sobriety? Um, yes and no. I mean, there's part of me that really does enjoy drinking. And maybe I feel a little bit awkward about the idea of of drinking a lot in front of you. So um, there's a very good chance that when we get into those experiences that I'm going to want to have a bunch of drinks and and get a little loose and all that. But I'll probably hold myself back so that I don't make you feel uncomfortable. So, yeah, I, I have to say that I do feel a little bit a little bit nervous to see how it goes. But at the same time, I'm getting older now and uh, I've drank more nights than I haven't drank <laughs> in my adult lifetime. So so it's it's not like 
you know, I didn't have a chance to experience what it's like to drink all the time because I did that. I know what it's like. So if I need to spend some time drinking a lot less, I, I'm not going to be having that huge feeling of missing out that, that would be possible for some people. So speaking of drinking a lot, um, you haven't been drunk in 14 and a half months. How has that felt for you? Are you happy that you're drinking a lot less? Have you noticed improvements in your own life, just drinking less, but still drinking occasionally? Yeah, so I'll kind of go back to the beginning here, uh, 14 months ago or so, when you stopped drinking, and I don't know if it was immediately, but sometime right after, I went two, maybe three months without drinking, and that was really beneficial for me because at the time... I was doing a lot of cycling and I was I was really interested in and in, in seeing how how good I can get and how strong I can get and uh, not drinking for a few months followed by just drinking a couple times a week moderately made a huge difference on how much I enjoyed that sport. I mean showing up to a, a 50 mile plus bike ride with a hangover is 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 pretty terrible and I have to admit I have done that a couple of times. <laughs> And uh, it's pretty rough. So, so knowing that I was going to show up fresh and strong and ready to go made, made me enjoy that so much more. So that's one part. The other stuff, I think, I mean, it gets a little more personal because um, drinking for me kind of plays bad with my own anxiety as well. I mean, I have, I have some struggles with, with other issues and sometimes drinking while I was drinking, I would feel fine. But then as the, as the buzz would wear off, um, feelings of anxiety and, and nervousness and stuff like that would get amplified. And I think freeing myself of that cycle was, was a pretty good thing even though it, it wasn't filled with feelings of shame and all that stuff like that. It, there was no like self-loathing. It was more just uh, an exasperation of struggles that I was already dealing with. And maybe I didn't even connect the dots, but when I, when I stopped drinking so much, I, I think there was an immediate improvement on that front for me. Yeah, that's really good news for everybody that is either still kind of drinking or you're newly sober or maybe you go back and forth a lot because of your anxiety. So even normal drinkers have an improvement with their anxiety. So it's not just people who are drinking problematically. It could be anybody who backs off or takes a break, they will see an improvement. Something I'm dying to know that I actually don't think I've ever asked you. <laughs> I just woke up one day and I was like, I got to start a podcast. That's what I have to do. And then I just did it. Like a few hours later, it was out. And <laughs> we never really like talked about it. I don't know if you believed me that I was going to start a podcast or thought that like maybe I'd do it for a bit. But how do you feel that I am just, you know, putting it all out there like the whole <laughs> world can hear about my drinking? Um, anybody, your friends, your family, um, our neighbors. So how do you feel about that? 
I think even myself, I'm a relatively private person and I don't like to share that much publicly. I have almost no presence on social media and so on. But I, but I do feel the same feeling that maybe you have when, when you're doing this, where you are who you are, your personality is the way it is, and if somebody thinks something bad about it, then whatever. If somebody thinks something good about it, then great. But you are who you are, and what's the sense of hiding it, right? It's, it's like we're not trying to fool anybody and, and make them think that we're perfect. That doesn't, that doesn't work at all. And if it does, you're never going to get close to anybody if you're not honest with them about who you really are. I was a bit surprised when you started <laughs> it about how open you were about everything. Mm -hmm. And then over time, I started to think more like the way I just described, where it's just, you know, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm going through. This is what's burning in my mind. And, um, and I'm going to share it with people. And... The response that you got after you started the podcast, uh, I think immediately showed that you made the right choice because and right away, like within the first few days, you were already getting people that were responding to you and saying that they have similar feelings themselves and and listening to you share their your story, um, just like help them in some way, whether it simply be just to not feel alone or just to uh, catalyze some self-reflection of their own to try to improve their lives. Uh, so I was, I was pretty impressed by the response that you got, like, practically immediately. And when you first told me you were going to start the podcast, I believed that you were going to do it, but, <laughs> but I thought it was going to be more of a long-term project, like something that might happen like a year from now, and you would, you would spend some time preparing or... Uh, just practicing or something, maybe being a guest on someone else's podcast. I don't know. I don't know what I thought. But when you just went ahead and did it, I was like, what? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been really cool. I think it's been super helpful to so many of your listeners. And also, I think it's been helpful for you to, um, to just let it all out. Like all this stuff that you've been holding inside, it's stuff you've been feeling for years and you've been more or less keeping it to yourself, maybe talking to me about it and maybe a couple of close friends or, or something to something similar to that. But I think just letting it out for you has been extremely therapeutic. So, so I'm happy that everybody is benefiting from it. And, and I'm, I'm really just happy to see you, uh, find something to pour your heart into. I think if anybody feels passionate about any hobby or any interest, no matter what it is, I think it's important for the people around them to support it. It's, you know, your, your life is just, you eat, sleep, work, and then what do you do in your free time? You do whatever makes you feel like excited to get out of bed in the morning. So whatever that is for, for the people that you care about, you just need to support that unless it's something destructive, of course. But in this case, it was definitely not. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I feel about about you initially starting your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think I'm very lucky that I, I'm not a perfectionist whatsoever. I didn't care that I had no idea how to podcast. I just felt like I should. So I just like did it. I know a lot of people will 
prepare a special launch and they'll tease it and they'll make a trailer and they'll record three episodes for launch day and I didn't even care. I just was like, I want people to hear this so I put it out. So something that I talk to people a lot about you is the difference between the way that we both think about alcohol. So people that have a problem with alcohol will obsess about it think about it constantly, we'll think about moderation constantly, can we drink tonight, we drank last night, maybe we shouldn't, how many can we have tonight, that kind of thing, and I would just like everyone to hear that from your own words, like how much you actually think about your drinking, because for me, it was 24-7, thinking about like, can't wait to do it, or hating myself for doing it, or trying to come up with a plan, And how much have you actually thought about your own drinking when you're not drinking? I think it varied from day to day. I think some days I just, I'm in the mood to drink. So I am thinking about it and I'm looking forward to the time when when that's possible. I pretty much never think about the plan, like how much I'm going to drink or you know, if I'm going to limit myself to a certain amount or anything like that, I kind of just have the first drink and then go from there. Um, So I don't really put a lot of thought into it. Um, When I'm having a a stressful day or something like that, sometimes I do look forward to coming home and, and having a drink, but it definitely doesn't consume my mind. Do you ever think about like yesterday's drinking. So you look forward to it, which I think is pretty normal, but do you ever, and you don't think about a plan, but do you ever spend the next day thinking about last night's drinking? Um, Only a handful of times in my whole life, I think. (laughs) And mostly nights where I drank a lot and did something really embarrassing or something (laughs) like that, where I'm reliving some of the conversations I had and be like, oh shit, I can't believe I said that. But it was never about the alcohol itself. It was more about uh, how much of a fool I acted or something like that. Um. (laughs) And that's the difference that I hope that you guys are picking up from this. I know I've said it a thousand times, but normal drinkers don't ever think about their drinking. They look forward to drinking and they think about, you know, drinking, I'm sure, when they're actively drinking in the moment but beyond that they just never think about it and that's I think the number one sign of a problem drinker is when you obsess about alcohol so I hope that that part was really clear for you what would you do honey if I ever sat you down and I was like you know I've been thinking about it and I think that it's been long enough I think that I can moderate now and you know, here's the plan, and this is what I'm going to do, and, like, what would you do? (laughs) Well, you would have to make (laughs) an extremely compelling argument for me to give you my support, because we we had been through that before, where you stop drinking for either indefinitely or, or for just some short amount of time, And then we kind of formulated a plan on how you would begin again. And I mostly kind of just went along with what you said and what you wanted to do. And I could tell you had given it a lot of thought. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe tried to think of a way to word it that would be agreeable to. 
but yeah, moving forward, I don't think it would ever be like that again. I would challenge you an extreme amount before I supported you drinking again because I just, I know how destructive it was to your life. And, you know, it's not even about how much you were drinking. Like I was saying earlier, it's like, it's not the volume or the frequency. It's about, it's about the way it was infiltrating every avenue to happiness that you had. It was, it was just like muddying the trail of happiness in every possible direction that you could go. I can see it just standing in the way. <laughs> it would be a very difficult conversation if you wanted to try to convince me that it was a good idea. Well, that's also the benefit of podcasting about sobriety and having a whole Instagram about sobriety. Is yeah, you can't portray <laughs> your... <laughs> yeah, they would flip. <laughs> so it keeps me strong and... If you guys are, you know, keeping things to yourself, I recommend even a private account. You never have to show your face or say who you are, but just put it out there for other people to show how much we care about you. I think that's one of the things about you doing the podcasting, too, is that it's you're really accountable to all the people that you interact with through this platform that, you know, you can't preach all this stuff and then... <laughs> And then go and then go in a totally different direction. I mean, you could and not tell anybody, but that wouldn't feel very well, and your heart would be just <laughs> in knots trying to uh, <laughs> trying to live that life. So you're kind of protecting yourself against uh, any cravings or anything like that that you have. Or maybe if I'm away for the weekend, then you know you could sneak a few drinks, and nobody would know you have to you have like this extra sort of responsibility to be true to yourself about it as that's another utility of you doing this <laughs> is there any advice that you would give to the partner of a problem drinker anything that could help them support their partner or help them support themselves what i would say to someone who is the partner of a problem drinker is first you need to be able to recognize that it's actually a problem. I mean, just just getting drunk and and acting a little silly or getting hungover, it doesn't necessarily mean that someone's a problem drinker. I think what what you need to do is is try to look at the signs on the way that they treat themselves um, the morning after drinking or maybe even late the, late that night after the buzz starts to wear off. Just you need to look for the signs on whether or not they're walking away from the experience better or worse. Because we all know that we can drink and, and have a fun time and you wake up with a terrible hangover, but then after all the smoke clears, you think to yourself, that was worth it. That was fun. <laughs> I, I had a great time. I had a terrible morning the next day and... And maybe, maybe I did a few things that were slightly out of character and I feel a little bit shy about, but I had a good time and it was fun and overall the good outweighs the bad. But with problem drinkers, the bad outweighs the good. So you, I think you need to try to recognize the balance there. And when you start to, to notice that the bad's outweighing the good, the first thing would be to stop enabling so much. It doesn't mean that you need to 
completely kill the mood and say, I think you've had enough to drink, honey, or anything like that. <laughs> I think it's more about leading by example. I think that if you see someone spiraling down into a really powerful and dark uh, cycle of drinking, maybe try just drinking a little bit less yourself. And um, it might be enough to slow them down. But if it does get to that point where slowing down and moderating and, and that whole area is, is clearly not going to be effective and they, they need to decide to either cut it out of their lives or continue living a life of misery, and you really need to push them towards cutting it out of their lives because we don't need alcohol in our lives. Like Humans have not evolved to need alcohol. Like look at animals. Animals don't drink any alcohol and they're doing just fine. So it's not like this thing that is absolutely required to have a, a full and, and colorful life. So <laughs> I can totally delete this question and you don't have to answer it, but your response made me think of this question. Um, do you think that you enabled me at all? Definitely. There were times when things in my life weren't going that well. Maybe I was not happy about something. Maybe I was suffering from a little bit of sadness or anxiety or just stress at work or in other relationships in my life. And I wanted to just come home and have five glasses of wine. And I knew that I couldn't just sit there and have five glasses of wine while you have one. <laughs> so so there was definitely uh, an enabling factor there where maybe I didn't explicitly encourage you to, to drink your ass off, but uh, I definitely made it extremely easy. It's like, here's some delicious cheese that goes with this delicious wine. Like, <laughs> um, <clears throat> sometimes we would get a bottle of, of really good wine and... I would start off by drinking maybe faster than you wanted to drink, but at the same time, you didn't want to maybe let me drink the entire fancy bottle of wine to myself. You were almost like forced to, to drink a little faster than you wanted to. So yeah, all, all those things, I think definitely made it a lot easier for you to overdo it and get into a bad place. However, I do think it was it was probably just a matter of time. Mm -hmm. Maybe me enabling the way I did accelerated the process. Um, but, but I think eventually the same conclusion would have been reached. I agree. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you would like to add before I free you from podcasting? Well, maybe I just want to add one thing that is maybe completely unrelated to what you go through and and what other problem drinkers go through. But um, some of us might be experiencing some kind of like uh, like physical problems, like you have some kind of pain, you feel tired all the time, you get headaches frequently, you feel you just you just don't feel as like strong, you feel like you're old, like all this stuff <laughs> like that. And and sometimes you think you, you always find a reason to explain like why your back hurts or why you feel tired and all that like but 
what I've noticed when I stopped drinking, a lot of the, st the things that were bothering me, like for example, I used to have a lot of stomach aches and uh, like acid reflux and, and stuff like that. I noticed that when I stopped drinking, all that stuff went away like immediately. And it was, I had some issues to the point where I actually talked to the doctor about it and stuff like that. And they talk about changing your diet or taking a medication, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. But a lot of times the answer could be to just cut the alcohol either out of your life or drastically down and whatever, uh, um, medical ailment you might be experiencing, it might just disappear. It, it's kind of crazy like that where it's hard to believe because at, at the same time, completely counterintuitively to this idea I'm saying right now is whenever you feel any pain or discomfort or any kind of problem, having a couple drinks can sometimes take those symptoms and just damp them down so much that you feel good. And you're like, oh, I just, how, how, can, how can alcohol be causing me to feel bad? Because every time I drink, I feel good. But it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of patience. And um, there's a good chance that anything that's bothering you physically as well as mentally, which Jill covers a lot, it, it, could, it could very well be that uh, your body is just sick of alcohol. Maybe you've been able to tolerate it for 10 years, 20 years. And now all of a sudden you have these physical symptoms showing up and you keep trying to blame it on other things, but maybe it's worth a try to, to cut back. And the reason I say it is because I experienced exactly that. So that's just one piece of advice, just keep in the back of your minds. I think that a lot of us have some kind of issue related to our drinking and we don't connect them, like whether it's anxiety or acid reflux or weight or bloating or bad skin or if you're a woman maybe you have really horrible periods and we have all these things and we never think that alcohol could be the culprit so I think that is really great advice and especially if you're drinking to deal with that ailment the drinking could be the cause of the ailment thank you very much honey <laughs> for coming on the show I'm so glad that you're my first guest everybody's been dying to hear from my husband and I hope that you'll come back. Yeah, well, I, to be honest, I feel very shy and nervous about, <laughs> about doing this. Um, maybe if we do it again, I can, I'll speak a little more freely and openly and, and feel more comfortable. Uh, so apologies to the listeners if I, I sound a bit robotic over here. I'm not always like this. I'm just a little bit nervous. I don't think I, my voice has ever been recorded before. I think this is the first time. So <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, let Jill know if you want to hear some more because I definitely have more to say, just uh, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, honey. I really appreciate you doing this and supporting me and, and not drinking too much around me and all that. And I love you. <laughs> I love you too. And listeners, I will talk to you guys next week.
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips i'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so so inspiring I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.